Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. We're so glad you've decided to join us today. We hope that today's message helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that the Lord has created you to do. You guys ready to get into the Bible today? I'm going to ask that again, and you're going to have to pretend like you mean it. Are you ready to get into the Bible today? That's what we used to do back with our children and young people and just like trick them, brainwash them into being excited about the Bible. And guess what? It worked. All my kids are adults and they love the Bible. So uh, parents keep brainwashing your kids to love the Bible because it is the word of God. It is our daily bread. So let's feast on our daily bread today. Uh, This year in 2022, we are believing God to advance in seven areas, personally and corporately as a church. And just as a recap, those are number one, a supernatural lifestyle, number two, in evangelism, three, in discipleship, number four, in how we reach the next generation for children and youth, Uh, number five, in our finances, Uh, number six, in world missions, and number seven, in influence in our community. So today, we're actually going to talk about influence in our community. As Josie mentioned, we have invited Six Stones to come and share uh, what is happening here in HEB and how Uncommon Church can partner and get involved. Uh, Before we do that, though, I want to read a few scriptures. Um, I'm going to start with a story, kind of a parable that Jesus told about the, the end times talking about when Jesus is going to return from heaven, and Jesus gives us a, a picture, a story, into how that's all gonna break down. And he, if, if, if we look at Jesus as the good shepherd, he's talking about like a shepherd who is gonna gather all the sheep and the goats together, and then he's gonna separate them. Um, because in the, in the ancient world, actually, to be honest, it still happens in the Middle East today, they will um, graze herds of sheep, flocks. Herds, flocks. Flocks of sheep, Herds of goats? Something of goats? Somebody's going to Google that. Herds of goats. Um, All the sheep and goats will graze together, but then when the shepherd would bring the animals into town, sheep meat is tender and tasty, and it is just amazing. Goats are good for milk, but unless you boil goat meat for like three days, it's just hard to eat. It's, It's tough, it's chewy, it's gamey. So the cost of a sheep is way higher than the cost of a goat. So when the shepherds would bring their flock and herds into town, they would need to separate the sheep and the goats. Here's Jesus' story from Matthew chapter 25. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory... He's basically saying, when I return in my glory with all of my angels around me, I'm going to sit on my glorious throne forever. And I'm going to gather all of the nations. Say all the nations. nations. Pause the verse right there, guys. It's important to note that in Matthew, Jesus was giving his final instructions to the church before leaving earth. And he says, go into all the world and make disciples of? Oh, snap. We're not just called to win people to Jesus. We're called to disciple nations. And Jesus is saying, when I return, I'm going to sit on my glorious throne surrounded by the angels, and I'm going to bring all of the nations before me, and I'm going to separate all the people, one from another, in the same way that a shepherd would separate the sheep from the goats. And over here on his right, he's going to put all of the sheep. And over on his left, he's going to put all of the goats. And then the king will say, To those that are on the right, he's going to say to all of the sheep over on the right, come, you who are blessed by my Father. See, we are in this thing as a family. You're not an orphan. You you are a part of the family of God. He says, you that are sheep, you on my right, 
come into and receive your inheritance. What is our inheritance in heaven? He says, I'm going to give you the kingdom of God that has been prepared for you since the creation of the world. Genesis chapter 1 and 2, when God's creating the heavens and the earth, he had you in mind, and he was creating a paradise in heaven so that you would be able to enjoy that place. You have been on God's mind for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And the sheep are over here like, what did, what did we do to deserve this? And Jesus says in verse 35, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, it was you that gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, it was you that invited me in. I needed clothes, and you are the ones that put clothes on my back. I was sick, and you were the one that looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. But then all the sheep are over here like, hey, did anybody do these things? And the sheep will turn around and say to the king, um, when? Lord, when were you, when were you hungry and we fed you. I mean, we fed a lot of people, but I didn't know you were one of them. Lord, when were you thirsty and we gave you something to drink? When were you a stranger and we invited you in? I mean, guys, we invited everybody in, but did you guys know one of them was the Lord? When did you need clothes? And we put clothes on your back. That's amazing. I, we, remember all those times we helped people? I guess one of them was Jesus. When were you sick, Lord? Or when were you in prison? Were you, we visited thousands of prisoners. I, I guess you were in there one time. But I just don't remember when. And Jesus will reply in verse 40. Truly, guys, listen to me. Whenever you do one of these things to the least of my brothers and sisters, you're doing it for me. And then Jesus will turn to the goats on his left. And he will say, depart from me into the eternal fire that was prepared for the devil and all of his demon angels. And they're like, what? Jesus will say, because I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me into your church. I needed clothes and you wouldn't clothe me. I was sick and you didn't look after me or pray for me. I was in prison and you didn't come visit me. And then the goats are over here like, I don't know what sound a goat makes, but they're over here and they're like, but Lord, when? When, when were you hungry and we didn't feed you? When were you thirsty and we didn't give you something to do? When were you a stranger? You weren't one of those like gross, yucky people in our city that would like knock on the door or we'd see pushing a cart down the sidewalk, were you? You weren't one of those awful people that committed terrible crimes that went to prison. You're the Lord sitting on your throne. Of course we weren't gonna go to prison with the yucky people. When did all these things happen that you're saying we didn't help you? And in verse 45, Jesus says, whenever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And then they will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous, they receive eternal life. So in summary, the thing that separates the sheep from the goats is what they did and didn't do. Notice, if you will, that all the sheep and the goats were in the same church. The wheat and the chaff grow together. 
Why do we always assume we're a sheep? We hear that story and we're like, I'm so glad I'm a sheep. But we're saying that from over there. The one thing that Jesus is looking for from us isn't our attendance at church all the time, isn't if we read our Bible every day, isn't if we listen to Christian music or secular music. He was looking to the, did you care for the least of these, my brothers? Because when we care for somebody who is in need, we're caring for Jesus. And there is a great reward for those that take care of the poor and the hungry and the sick and the homeless and those that are in prison. But sometimes in the body of Christ, I don't know why, we only picture Jesus as like cupcakes and rainbow Jesus. That everything is hugs and, and butterflies and happiness and joy. But Jesus is saying to the people that did nothing for the poor, depart from me. Go into the eternal punishment that I created for the devil and his demons. Do you know the worst part of that punishment? It's not the fires of hell. It's not the demons that you'd be there with. It's being apart from God. The worst thing for eternity would be to not spend it with the Lord. I know we're supposed to be talking about our community influence today, but a lot of this goes back to our discipleship. Because we can grow as a Christian. We can read our Bible. We can live holy. We can go to church. But if we don't match all of those spiritual things with action, what are we doing this for? James put it this way. He said, what good is it, Uncommon Church, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? How is that kind of faith going to save anybody? Suppose you see a brother or sister in Euless or Bedford or Hearst that has no food or no clothing. And you're like, oh, bye-bye. Have a good day. Stay warm. Eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Faith by itself isn't enough. Say, isn't enough. Faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's just dead and useless. But for so long, the church is like, bye-bye now. Sorry you're starving. Sucks to suck. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that in church, but I just did. Now I'm regretting it. We write them a card. Get better soon. They're not sick. We just want you to get better. Jesus loves you. I hope you don't freeze to death in an ice storm. Hope you don't starve to death. Pass me the extra large fries and the gallon of Coke. See, let me, let me put it to you this way. Super spiritual Christian people. If I speak to you in the King James, would you understand? You're amazing. Thou art amazing. <laughs> Doth is epic. But your faith alone is dead. Let me talk to the people that are like, listen, I can't do the Jesus stuff very well. I don't understand the Bible. I hate Christian music, you know, but I love to help people. And that's how I'm going to honor God. That's amazing. But those works are also dead. You need faith and good works working together. Jesus put it this way, and it's kind of a banana statement if you think about it. He's like, listen, church, you guys are the salt of the earth. Like in 2022, we're like, what, is, what does that mean? I'm the salt of the earth. Like, do I have a sodium problem? Am I John Pryor and I just put way too much salt on all of my food? No joke, John and I were in Moldova together a couple years ago. We were eating at an Italian restaurant. The, the pasta and the water and the, the sauce was so salty, like I couldn't eat it. 
before even tasting it, John's like, I'm like, no, 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 John, taste it, it's super salty. And he just goes, John is the salt of the earth. But look what Jesus says. What good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? No, all it's good for is being thrown out and trampled on, it's worthless. So you have to remember, in the ancient world, all salt was not a chemical reaction. Salt was just dried seawater, especially in Israel. It was coming out of the Dead Sea. And that kind of salt, if it gets moist, if it's not kept in a, in a tight container, that kind of sea salt, as moisture can get in there, it'll, it'll lose its saltiness. And then the only thing it's worth is just putting out on the footpath to cover up the manure from the animals. Because salt does two things, especially in the ancient world. It adds flavor. It, it makes something worth eating. Like, you ever eat something and like, this is good, but, and then a little bit of salt, and it's amazing. <laughs> but in the ancient days, salt also preserved. That's how, I mean, meat would rot in just a couple of hours unless you surrounded it with salt. Then Jesus goes on to say with the illustration, he's like, you know what, Uncommon Church? You guys are the light of the world. You're the light of Eulis. You're like a city that's up on a hilltop. It can't be hidden. Everybody's going to see that light because nobody's going to light a lamp and then put it underneath a basket. No, the, the lamp is going to be out so everybody can see it. In the middle of the mid-cities, we're going to light it up with this, with this light. And in the same way, let your good deeds, oh, snap, salt and light have turned into good deeds. Let your good deeds do what? Shine for everyone to see. Why would we do that? So that the... Good deeds will cause people to praise our heavenly Father. Salt adds flavor. You make this church better. You make the mid-cities better. But salt is not meant to be just piled up on the corner of a plate. It's meant to be sprinkled everywhere. Too many churches are just a big pile of salt. That doesn't help anybody. That doesn't bless anybody. That doesn't make anybody's life better. Salt also preserves. When you get yourself out into the community, you preserve our city by having godly men and women invested in every area of our community. The people of God in the community help the community to taste and see that the Lord is good. You help the community get better. You preserve our community by being woven into the community. But let me also say this. Jesus said, you're not just salt, you're light. Light doesn't need more light. Darkness needs the light. Without more light in the darkness, you're going to fall into a ditch. And for too long and too often, our nation, our, our, our community has fallen into a ditch. We need more light to be spread out, not piled up with all the light in one place. We need the light of Christ to be the hope of the world wherever we go. Some people are like, listen, I don't really like, like getting my light into the darkness because it just feels yucky out there. David, like, listen, that's an 18 to 29-year-old joke. When light goes into darkness, the light dispels the darkness. The darkness does not affect the light. Darkness doesn't transfer to light. Light drives out darkness. So the light needs to be out in the darkness, not just in a big pile of salt, not just in a big pile of light. See, for so often we're like, I just love God so much. You can't really love God if you don't love the things that God loves. And John 3.16 says God loves the world. 
He loves the world so much he gave his only son that whoever's gonna believe in Jesus will not perish in the lake of everlasting fire. I'm gonna give him eternal life. Can I let you in on a little secret? God still loves the world, and we should too. And for 13 years, Six Stones has been showing and demonstrating the love of God to the mid-cities. They have been providing food and clothing and mentorship, and they've been working in our schools. They, they have revitalized homes for those that are unable to. They have, Six Stones has been a light right here in Eulist, Hearst, North Richland Hills, Bedford, Grapevine. They, they help spread the light in our schools with our children. Would you please do me the great honor of welcoming the executive director of Six Stones, Jennifer Lenny, and the chief development officer, Trassa Coburn. chairs a little bit there. Micromanaging. <laughs> Ladies, thank you so much for being here. What an honor that you would be here today. Uh, this is Jennifer Lenny. If you've never seen a Tasmanian devil for Jesus, this is what one looks like. If Jesus had a cheerleader, this is Jesus' cheerleader. And she is the executive director of Six Stones. And to her left is Trassa Coburn, who is the chief development officer. So basically, every crazy, wild idea that Jennifer gets to reach people, somehow Trassa has to figure out how to make it happen. It's awesome. I love this job. So Jennifer, tell us a little bit about Six Stones, like just the, the big picture snapshot. Yes, absolutely. So I want to give a little history because people want to know where the name Six Stones came from. So Cross City Church, which used to be First Baptist Eulis, was $6 million in debt. And they were praying, we should probably not be $6 million in debt. So they prayed three specific prayers, which really shaped the history of Six Stones, this debt. Lord, is this of you? paying off the debt. Lord, what is my personal part? If you're a congregation member, what is my part in paying that down? And Lord, bless your people so they will give abundantly. And in a very short time, the whole debt was paid off. Well, they bought these big stone markers ahead of time in faith, six of them. Every time a million dollars was paid off, they put them in the courtyard. So this is a big deal because this church at the time thought they were going to be bankrupt. So, and they've been, they were around 100 years. So it was a big deal. And then money kept coming in and they called that the miracle. So money kept coming in. But really what started Six Stones was what happened right after that. So there was a fire in Manchester Manchester Apartments. And see, this is how good she is. So a fire happened, and we are the nations of the world right here. If you didn't know, we're the number one most diverse school district in the United States. Wow. So four refugee families came over to the church after the fire, and they were in need. Well, the church, unfortunately, had put in all these rules. We can't help unless X, Y, and Z. And unfortunately, these four refugee families did not meet all that criteria. So the church is very upset. Um, the pastor was up all night, and then the next day he came to my predecessor who was on staff and said, we're going to go help these refugee families because the miracle money kept coming through. So we don't know how you're going to do it, but here's keys to an empty building. And by the way, here's an extra $280,000 from the miracle. Go start Six Stones. That's how it was started. There you go. So miracle money 
And th then they started saying, okay, we're going to help these four families. So food and clothing, talking about the scripture, Matthew 25, that you were just talking about. So food and clothing, that is our New Hope Center. So we now serve over 15,000 individuals through that New Hope Center every year. Wow. Um, and it usually is four days a week, and we need lots of volunteers. So we're open four days a week, food and clothing. So you are helping them physically, but opening the door wide spiritually. Every single individual who comes in there, we have a hope builder meet with them. That's a volunteer to say, why are you here? What's the need? That's when we, just like with the fire, helping physically, opening the door wide spiritually. That's what we do. We get to share the love of Jesus tangibly and then spiritually with every neighbor. I love it. Like, I feel like we just, oh, my heart. I just want to stand up and, I don't even know. Got I just that? want, yeah, I just, I'm so in awe yeah. of that because it literally is the scripture that we were reading in action. Yeah. And Six Stones is right down the road. And so we're sitting here praying, how can we advance in our city? How can we have influence in our city? How can we help the needy in our city? And God's like, hello, Six Stones. <laughs> like they're the answer to every prayer that we've been praying in our heart. And um, we have been involved before to some level, yes. but we are so excited to get more involved. So just in a, a couple of short phrases, what is the mission I feel like you already yes. shared it, but what is the mission of Six Stones? Community mobilization, sharing hope with the hopeless. So Six Stones has been blessed. We have, and we'll talk about all of them, four large programs that we do every year, but the reason we do all these big events is to share Jesus, and that's hope. Now, because we're supported by school districts and businesses and a lot of places we can't say Jesus, we use the, the word hope, but we use that simultaneously. So community mobilization, that's us sharing the hope of Jesus. So our vision is to be a catalyst of hope. We want to transform lives, homes, communities, right? We don't do this for us. We do this to transform from the inside out, physically and then spiritually. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Tell us about the, one of the very first things that Six Stones did was revitalize the house. Tell us yes. about the CPR program. Yes, community-powered revitalization. And really, you know, when it's a movement of God, which is what Six Stones has been for 13 years to have the hand of God on it, it's the favor to come together. And it did start with community-powered revitalization. So two churches came together to actually serve one, fam one family. And it was a disabled lady and her sister. And their house was a mess, and it had roaches, and it was disgusting, and they were in squalor, and they're like, we just can't do this. So they helped Rebecca and her sister and fixed it together. So they did that one time, and it was over a couple weekends. And then they went, well, this was pretty cool. What should we do now? And that's when the city started getting involved. The city manager, his name uh, is Gary McCamey, he was there and he said, you know what? The city has some funding that we think we could help other homes. And then they did that and they put it in writing and so started, and it was actually called Euless Revitalization because it was in Euless. And then Bedford and Hearst went, well, wait a second, this could go bigger. So what happens for that program twice a year, so April 20, 22nd and 23rd is coming up. It's always a Friday, Saturday. We usually bring in 1,000 volunteers and those 1,000 volunteers go serve the homes that we vetted. Now the city is actually vet them. What happens is if you're, if you're in need here, you could go to any of those cities and say, my home's a mess, but the code department is saying I have to fix it. I just don't have the resources to fix it. So you apply through the city and the city gives it to us. And then we bring in all these businesses and churches and then money and then just go fix the homes. So we do that twice a 
year, Blitz Weekend, so probably in the next couple weeks, we'll put that on our website. But it's always a Friday, Saturday. Some companies want to give their, their guys team building day. They'll say, I'll serve a Friday only, and some do Friday, Saturday. But we are so excited because we've just completed the 800th house, wow. and that's Lives Transformed. Wow. Yeah, yeah God. Come on. I think we have a video to show about that, actually. Could you guys go ahead and play that about the CPR? I have shed a lot of tears, sweat, and blood. And my mom knew, you know, what she had left me with. And I appreciate you guys so much. Because, you know, my mom's a condemned. And it is good that y'all have the ability to go out and do what you do. A lot of the people that you meet are, they're in despair. Their house is falling apart around them. They don't know where to turn. They don't, and people come in and help them. The looks on their faces and the relief that you give them. And it's just amazing. These are tough times, and it's hard to, for families to keep up with their home sometimes, and you know, there's life happening in front of them, so we have to go out there and, and, and give ourselves to serve our community. This is a, a family. You know, in 24 years, I've seen a lot of people. I've met a lot of people, a lot of citizens, and so we know each other by you know, first names. We know each other's you know, history or family. I love CPR. I think it's one of the more important things we do at Six Stones. Um, it's not just so communities can survive, but so communities can thrive. Um, neighbors helping neighbors, and uh, I, you just see the looks on the owner's faces and the appreciation for uh, the assistance. And um, not just for the owners, the people being helped, but the people doing the helping. Um, the joy that they have and working together, and it's fun. I don't really have words for how much it means to me. I get kind of emotional when I think about it because the first time I went to Bedford and saw the whole experience about three or four years ago, I knew we had to do this in Grapevine. So I came back and working with the city, we were able to get it approved by the city so that we could participate here in Grapevine. So it's real special to me and I love that Rotary's a big part of it too. I really believe that we're here to help each other out and volunteering with Six Stones allows me the opportunity to help people in my local community. And that's something I'm really passionate about. All right, so when did you say the next uh, CPR weekend is? It is April 22nd and 23rd. And I want to add, we have chaplains, volunteer chaplains that go out to the home. So we, of course, pray over all the homes. And sometimes they'll say, now, we don't really believe you're going to come out here for free. And what's, what's this all about? We get to share our why, and our why is Jesus. And we have this team of chaplains that will follow up with them all year long and help them physically and spiritually. And we've had people come to Christ, and we've had people get plugged into the churches of whomever the church was that was serving. That's why we do what we do. I love it. So we're going to pull out your calendar on your phone and mark out February, uh, April 22nd and 23rd so that you can volunteer and help someone in need right here in our community. In uh, round numbers, how much does it cost to revitalize one home? 
$2,500 because we're taking community labor and we're leveraging that with city dollars. To $2,500 is a typical. $2,500. So I want you guys to know where we are as a church. In 2021, Uncommon gave $5,000 to Six Stones. We just wanted to be invested in what they were doing. But um, uh, as we were talking, the, the four of us, uh, this year, Uncommon wants to give $10,000. We want to double our commitment. And uh, the first uh, $2,500 as a part of that extra commitment is going to go to sponsoring a house uh, in April. So we're really excited about that. Um, so that's your, your, your dollars are already going to be invested in this program coming up. And then I, I want to address this, though, because some people might be watching this video and they're like, well, like uh, me personally, when I saw that video, my fence is, should probably get a code violation pretty from the city of Bedford. <laughs> now, I haven't gotten one yet, but my fence is a hot mess. And, um, but here's the difference. I'm able-bodied. And if I would save up my money and stop wasting it on other things except for my fence, I could go buy the materials to repair and replace my fence. Some people will watch a video like this and be like, well, who's going to paint my house? Who's going to pick my weeds? Who's going to do my things? Listen, if you are absolutely in need and unable to do so, like Jennifer said, you can apply through your city for the city to come help you. But for most of us, we just need to realize I'm not an orphan. I don't need to have a poverty mentality. I need to sign up and volunteer and help my brother and put my eyes not on my problem, but helping it to be a blessing to somebody else. If, as long as you have your phone out and you're writing down dates, uh, Jennifer, when is the next CPR in the fall? Um, so October 21st and 22nd. So we always do it a Friday, Saturday. And so yes, put it in your phones. And it is a lot of fun. We have people that see us on the street because we, it looks like a big production and they're like, what are you doing? And so we tell them and then they just bring their tools and they come help too. So neighbors loving and serving neighbors. I and it. I just want to see by show of hands, because I know we've been involved with this before. Have you ever done a CPR with six stones? If so, raise your hand. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And hopefully a lot more of us this year. So we will not only give financially, but use our hands and feet. And then um, transitioning, and you mentioned a little bit, the New Hope Center. So yes. tell us about that and what can we do how do you need help? Absolutely. So that is run by 39 volunteers. We're open four days a week. We're open on a Tuesday night, a Saturday, and then the other two are during the day, Monday and Wednesdays. We always need volunteers. Hope building. That's where you get to share the love of Jesus directly. Sorting clothes, greeters, sorting food, whatever it is. We have a little drop-off in the back. You can go drop off your items. There's a donation bin. You can put them right in there. COVID-friendly. It's got a QR code on it. You can scan your phone. And that goes to New Hope or come in and serve and, and greet and help neighbors find out why they're in poverty and see how we can get them to the next step because we've got lots of other resources. So you can donate and you can volunteer to serve in their uh, Hope Center. Uh, Teresa, tell us about all that Six Stones is doing in the schools. Okay. This is what we do around here. Oh, there it goes. Um, so I'm a former teacher in HEBISD. I served, uh, I taught here for almost a decade, and that's how I first got involved with Six Stones. Is that I saw with my own eyes the impact that Six Stones was making on our children. And so there are several programs that we do um, in what we call school-based initiatives. And so um, the, one of the programs that's going on right now is called Liga, and Liga is a soccer uh, league for junior high school boys. And you might say, well, why are they involved in having a soccer league? The reason is the school district came to us and said, look, we have a problem. Soccer doesn't begin in HEB until ninth grade. 
So they had these junior high boys who were being late or skipping class, who were not doing well in school. And they are boys who love soccer. And so the school district said, if we had a soccer league for these kids, we could keep them in school and we could raise their grades. And that's what we've done. We created this soccer league. We have um, a, the capacity, I think, for 180 boys to participate. Um, and it's a fantastic thing. It's actually spread to all five junior highs. And the um, school district has been overwhelmingly excited about the results of this league because it has brought boys to class. It has brought them into raising their grades because they have to, they have to pass to play. It's yeah. just like UIL. So it has really just transformed some of these boys' lives, and they've gotten into um, high school, they've played on our um, high school leagues, and then they've gone on to college, some of them. So it's been a really fantastic program for us. I love that it's such a practical way to help. And now, I, I believe that you mentioned earlier that we have one of the most internationally diverse school districts in the country. Is that we true? We do. We do. We are the number one most diverse in the country. Um, wow. If you think about DFW Airport, we are the modern Ellis Island here. So we, really we have people from around the world who come to Euless and they end up staying. We have a huge Congolese population here in Euless. We have um, people from Nepal. We have people from all over the world. So a lot of the world is much more interested in soccer than they are in American football. So true, and that was going to be my next point. You know, we have these different areas where we want to influence, and one of them is the next generation. Here's the next generation. And one of them is missions. And if you can't travel, the world has come to us. Like, the nations of the world are in our backyard, and we have an opportunity through soccer to reach them for Jesus. That's beautiful. So how do you need us to help? Well, we can always use people to come and watch. We can always use volunteers at the games. Um, our schedule is on the, is on the website. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and so you can come to the games. We'll have an all-star game coming up pretty soon, and we'll have a championship game. And those are both placed. Those are both played at Pennington Field. And so we'd love to have a lot of people come out. Um, we can always use sponsors for that program. Um, the boys all get uniforms, and this year we're providing cleats for a lot of the boys because they can't afford their own. I love it, I love it, I love it. Now we gotta move on for time because I just wanna talk about that for a while. But another program that you guys have done for so many, so many years, and I know that probably you have probably donated or helped out, is um, Operation Back to School, the Backpack Program. Tell us about that. Okay, so this was my, this was my gateway event, was Operation Back to School. Um, this is, we have a video, I wanna show the video and then I'll talk about it. We have a lot of students that have needs. Um, and it is through organizations like this, allowing the child to walk in on even footing, um, even though they know that they come from situations where uh, pencils and, and paper, you know, even a backpack is, 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 is difficult for them to come up with their own. So for Six Stones to be able to provide that for our kids, um, it's, it's everything. It's a great way to start the school year. I get to see all my kids come through and see their faces as they receive these blessings from Six Stones. It's amazing. What I love most about HBISD is, of course, um, not only the diversity, but also the connectedness of the community feels. With a, an organization like Six Stones doing Operation Back to School, it really does provide that security and safety of a child walking into a building prepared for school. We own our office in Bedford. We love the community. We've been here for about two years. 
And uh, I once was one of these people that needed that help. And so now that I'm in a place to give back, it just feels really good to do it. It's a really cool, really cool experience to see everybody coming together for one cause, to put these kids back in school and give them a backpack to be proud of and some school supplies to be proud of. I really have a heart for missions and um, the fact that there's so many kids that um, don't have hope, knowing that there's a community that love them, but then that we can also share that there's a God that loves them as well. We don't have enough money to do everything we need to do for kids. We have to depend on our nonprofits, on our faith-based organizations, on each other and our community to pull together to make sure that every kid in our district, all 23,000 kids, have what they need to start the first day of school and end on the last day of school with everything that they need. Seeing the kids as the parents drive up and the parents are focused on getting the backpacks, but the kids are in the car and we get to say hi, ask them what school they go to, tell them to have a really great year. And I think especially because everything now is coming so much more back to normal, we're really excited to have kids back in the class with their teachers and learning, learning, learning. You know, Six Zones is able to take stress from parents' lives by making sure that their kids are prepared to learn. And really, you know, children, that's what their, their primary role is and primary job is, is to learn. And by removing the stress of going back to school, Six Zones is able to position those kids to be ready and able to learn and, and help the, the burden lift, be lifted from those parents as well and bless them. I'm just, I'm so thankful to be part of the Six Zones family and able to serve and help. Yay, God. So this is one of my very favorite events. Um, as a former teacher, um, it just touches my heart to see kids who are so excited about the fact that they can have school supplies to hand to the teacher on meet the teacher night, just like the rest of their peers, and they don't have to show up empty-handed. So that's just a blessing. Um, we have 23,000 students in HEBISD, and we're at 54% free and reduced lunch in this district. So a lot of people don't know that. Um, we're a very high-performing district, and so our test scores and our activities are all fantastic here, but we have a lot of kids in need as well. And so um, we ask the community to lean in with us and to provide these things for the kids. And it's just a wonderful event. And we're also able to share Jesus at this event, and we ask every single, um, we do it as a drive-through now. We didn't do that before COVID, but we it's going to stay that way because it's been such a great response. And so at every single car, we'll ask the parents, you know, what can I pray for you? And so some of the stories are just heartbreaking. Some of the stories, some, we get a lot of praises too. So that's really a, a really just a blessing for us. So what are some practical ways that we can help in July and August when this all goes yeah, down? So it's What's the date? It's July 30th okay. is the date. So it will be at Pennington Field. So we're going to do the drive-through around Pennington Field. And um, you can help. It's $35 to sponsor one kid or $700 to sponsor a classroom. So that takes care of all the school supplies that that child will need for the year. And so it's pretty fantastic. And a backpack. Um, and the backpacks, they get to choose their own. So it's not like we're just handing them, you know, the leftovers of whatever. We're buying backpacks that the kids really are excited about and are happy about. And it's not like they have on their back something that says, I'm a needy kid. I got the backpack that everybody else got. 
they, they get to choose from like 24, I think, that, that we did last year. So it's pretty incredible. So cool. I love that, and that's so intentional. Um, tell us, so the next thing is Night of Hope. Am I correct in that? Yes. So tell us about Night of Hope. What is that? So we do the oh. backpack giveaway and then Night of Hope. Yeah, Night of Hope is a really, really, really special event. Um, so you know how we've talked about how God is not in the schools? That is not correct here. In HEBISD, we go into the elementary schools. Every single elementary school in HEBISD has a Christmas party in their school where we get to present the gospel to the families. Wow. So yeah. Cool. So yeah. it's fantastic. Thank you, Jesus. We provide the families with Christmas dinner and with Christmas gifts for all of their kids ages 0 to 18. So it doesn't matter if the kid's in school or not, they're going to get Christmas gifts um, provided by Six Stones and the community. And so that's pretty wonderful, but it's the fact that we get to share the gospel in the, in the schools that is just like the cherry on top. It's just wonderful. So for time, let's skip the video, but tell okay. us how can we be involved in helping you guys this Christmas? Absolutely. So you can, um, you can come and volunteer. Um, actually, Arbor Creek, um, which is the school that's nearest to y'all, um, actually, they would love to have a church sponsor their um, party. So if you guys want to take that we on. We want to take that so on. We do want to yeah. take oh, that awesome. on. Fantastic. And just so you guys know, we've been building relationship with Arbor Creek and, you know, blessing their teachers and stuff already. So I feel like it's just a great extension we of We already that. knew that. And I have to share with you, normally what we do for Night of Hope parties, we have one lead church and then another church can come under it as a secondary. And I, when I heard you said you'd already adopted, well, it's okay. They, uh, they, are, they are yours. Yeah, so we'll talk a lot more about it. That's we'll, awesome. We'll that. So you guys will get to go be in our, at Arbor Creek's party and come and volunteer and get to share that with the families and really get to, to dive it. deep. And so it's uh, $65 to sponsor one child for that program as so well. So cool, so cool. So um, in addition to the money, the $10,000 that the church is gonna give, we're gonna give you specific times throughout the year to give towards these different projects. So I, here's the problem, your heartstrings are tugged right now, so uh, you can give if you want to, but we're not asking you for money. Uh, we'll tell you what our, our big ask is here in a minute. I got a big old ask for you. Okay, so a lot of people that find themselves in poverty situations, like what you mentioned before, we want to elevate our community and help build people up. So just so we don't just give them and meet their immediate needs, what do we do or what does Six Stones do to help? Yes, we launched a program called Momentum. Really, Bank of America funded a discipleship program. <laughs> Let on. that sink in it. for a minute because, so we changed the wording to say mentorship program just so they wouldn't get in trouble. But it is truly a discipleship program. It is a six-month program. So if Josie decided she wanted to be a mentor, she'd commit to me as, say, a mentee for six months. The first eight weeks are at Six Stones over a meal at night, and we pour in curriculum. So teach them how to get a job, do their resumes, interview skills, budgeting, finance, spiritual poverty, opening the doors wide. We, we layer in spiritual elements through all of those. But the, this is the only program at Six Stones with all the volunteer efforts that if you sign up to be a mentor, you have to give me a letter from your church pastor. You might, you might be able to get one to I say vouch. that you're in good standing with I the vouch. church. You vouch? Okay. So because since we're pouring in biblical 
principles, we need to make sure that's a Christian. So, and for a mentee signing up, the only requirement is if you're not working, get a job. Because what we saw during COVID, there were a lot of people sitting home. And by the way, they're getting depressed when they're like, I can make more money getting the government dollar. No, no, that's why we're trying to help them more. So we, it's a very much an accountability program. We have other resources helping with childcare, with transportation. If anyone graduates the program, so far the Lord has blessed us to be able to give $1,000 towards every mentee towards a game-changing goal. So we are trying to transform that but hold them accountable at the same time. I love it. I love it. It's beautiful. So what do you need? I mean, now this might be for you or a loved one, somebody you know here in the mid-cities that's just having a hard time. uh, You know, they've been down on their luck um, and they just, they could use this program uh, then get them involved but then also how can we help if, if we wanted to be a mentor what's the next step yeah, so the next step we just start launched a cohort actually started last week and then so our next one will be in June but you can pray for us you can come to any of them and check it out because some people go this is a six-month commitment I'm not sure if I want to do that I don't know if I clarified it would be eight weeks in person and then the rest of the six months is one-on-one in our own time so um, but it is a great program we've had people some of them get out of a motel into a from a hotel into their first apartment to their first homes some people have gone to college for the first time we've had somebody graduate and get a degree for the first time first generation we had one lady that needed new teeth because she was so embarrassed and if you're in poverty and you don't have teeth you don't take care of them we had a dentist volunteer and he gave her all new teeth so it's not a cookie cutter program but we are trying to help people not just you know barely survive but thrive and use their god-given gifts and really flourish i love it i love it i love it so so sign up to become a, a mentor. Now, before we wrap things up, Tracer said something when we were meeting a few weeks ago that just stuck off the page to me. You are a, a mom of four boys. You were a school teacher for many years, but then you also served on the Hearst City Council. And I, what was fascinating to me about your story is I, I don't think enough Christians get involved in local government, in school boards, in programs. Just tell us how you made that transition into government leader in our community. Okay. Um, that's definitely true that Christians haven't been enough involved in, in local government. Um, and so I... Um, I have a degree in in political science, so I've always been interested in government, Um, but I had four boys and I was a stay-at-home mom for several, for a a dozen years, Um, and I started um, seeing things in my community that didn't reflect what um, my family needed. So in Hearst, um, we have, at the time, we had a a very... um, an older city council. So a lot of the city council was retired. And so um, a lot of the events in Hearst happened at times that my family couldn't make it. Um, There was a uh, Back the Blue rally at 10 o'clock on a Friday morning. (laughs) on a school day, right? And I was like, wait a second, I want to bring my kids to this law enforcement thing to support the blue too, and I want to show my kids how great it is to support their local police. And so I started um, attending city council meetings, and I found out that there are boards and commissions that you can be involved on. And so I put in an application, I got on a board, and um, I served on that board for about a year and a half and did some really great things with, um, we were involved in uh, rental in, in rental properties. So we actually made a, an incentive program for rental properties to keep their property code um, 
enforcement stuff up instead of letting their properties like devalue. So I was really proud of the work we did there. And then the city council woman who was our council liaison came up to me after I'd served on that board for almost two years. And she said, have you ever thought about running for city council? And I said, well, yeah, but that's on my like far plan, right? That's, you know, that's in 10 years or so. And she said, you know what? I'm retiring this spring and I want you to run for my office. And I was like, whoa, wow, this just came out of left field. But I went home, talked it over with my husband and prayed about it. And I really felt that was God reaching out to me and saying, this is a spot for you. This is somewhere where you need to be involved. And so I called my dad. And um, so Pastor Brad knows this, but... You want um, to tell him who your dad so, is? Yeah, I'll tell him who my dad is. So if you've ever watched the show Duck Dynasty, anybody ever seen that show? Okay. So my dad is Uncle Cy. So... Now um, that she says it, now you see it, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I shaved this morning, so y'all don't see the resemblance. So um, my dad is Uncle Cy, and um, I'm related to all those crazy guys on that show, and, and they really are wonderful, wonderful people, and I'm very proud to be related to them. And so I called my dad, and I said, Dad, I've decided to run for city council. And he said, why would you want to get involved in politics? That is such an ugly business. And I said, Dad, if Christians bow out of politics, we leave it to the people who don't have God in their hearts. Come on, come on. Yes. And so we need more godly men and women to step up and be involved in politics, to be voting, to be doing the things that, that are in the world. We're called not to be of the world, but we are in it. We are called to, t to care for it. And like you said, you know, God loves the world. And we're supposed to be involved with it, even though we are different and we are a called people. I love it. Okay. See, we have to remember that from Genesis to Revelation, God puts men and women of God in worldly political environments. Think about Joseph. He, he was, you know, the, the vice pharaoh. He was the number two guy in all of Egypt. Uh, Daniel was serving in the court of King, uh, uh, well, first Nebuchadnezzar and then Belshazzar in Babylon. Esther was a queen of a Persian kingdom. Uh, Nehemiah served in the court of, of King Artaxerxes. And then I, I want to show you this verse from the New Testament where um, uh, Paul was writing a letter to the church in Philippi and he's wrapping up his letter. He's saying goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. And then in Philippians chapter 4, he says, give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all of those who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me, they also send their greetings. Listen to verse 22. And all the rest of God's people send you their greetings, especially those in Caesar's household. The Caesar in Rome at the time that Philippians was written was Nero. Nero literally made it a sport of killing Christians. So I, I, there were believers in Jesus that were influencing the court of Nero, and yet they were believers in Jesus. So sometimes we would look at political situations and be like, oh, we need, you know, too bad we don't have more Christians in Washington. Too bad we don't have more Christians in Austin. Listen, that's because we need more Christians to step up and serve. So Trash, there just will be some practical advice for people to get involved in local government. Absolutely. So number one is um, pray for your guidance from mm. God, like to know what you need to be doing. Um, there is an election going on right now. So we have a primary on March 1st. I'd say voting is a yeah, huge thing. So, big. so to do your research, to know who the godly men and women are to vote for, because they are out there. I would say 90% of the people I've met through politics have been wonderful, wonderful people. Um, now those 10% 
give everybody a bad name, right? Rascals. So they're, they're not good people. But do your research, find out who they are, and vote, vote the people in who are being led by God to be servant leaders. So and then um, get on a board or commission here in Euless or Bedford or Hearst or whatever city you happen to live in. Um, it's really easy. It's a one-page application. Um, there's an interview usually in the summer, and then they put you on a board. Um, and it may not be the most powerful board. I mean, um, I wasn't on Parks and Rec. I wasn't on the library board. Those are the big boards. Um, I was on a little board called the Neighborhood Advisory Committee. And, but we did some great work. And like I said, it led me to my position on city council. So you can, um, you can definitely impact your community even if you're not serving with your name in lights, you know? That's beautiful, and I love that because it doesn't have to be seen to be effective and influential in our community. So that's beautiful. Putting, you know, we pray on Wednesday nights for our community, but actually going out and doing something is so important that those are in tandem if God's called you to that. Um, Jennifer, just wanted to give you an opportunity for some final thoughts. I know you had wanted to mention the resale shop. Yes, I'm sure you guys know when Pastor Brad decides on something, he jumps in and does it all the way, right? So he was saying, do you need some space? Yes, we need some space. So one of our mentees that came through the Momentum program, raise your hand if you know about the little resale store that she started next door. Do you guys know about that? Some of you do. So that was such a huge thing. So she's now outgrown that, but she got to go to city council and get a certificate of occupancy and start. She was selling out of trailers and storage units, and it was Texas and hot, you guys. We're over here praying, and then Brad, I was on vacation when I got your, your email, and then he made it happen instantly. That was such a blessing. So go shop. It's at Campus Rest right now, and then she's looking for permanent space. It's called Shopping for Hope. So stuff gets donated. New Hope is always first, and then extras go and then money is taken from that and put back into the ministry. The accountability program, getting people out of poverty permanently, physically, spiritually, that's what we're doing with that. So thank you so much for doing that and all your influence as I see that it's grown just in the three short years, I've, I think you've tripled in size, right? Yeah. So I'm looking for your influence to you know quadruple more than that, Come right? On. Do it, Jesus. Yeah, amen. I mean, from, from all your, you're like, do you need volunteers? Do you need money? Yes, all of it, yes and above. So, so thank you for what we're doing or you're doing and Uncommon Church's influences we've started praying as a staff for you guys too for that influence that's going to happen. Thank you. Appreciate that. And for those of you that were not aware we hosted that resale shop here on campus. I think they've just moved out and opened back up again. A couple and who's going to take that space next? Rescue Her is moving into that step because they've outgrown their current office. So we're excited about that and looking to remodel that space to be offices for Rescue Her. And so we're just so excited about all that. And as we close this out, I want to just challenge each and every one of you that this is not just something that we hear and then forget about. So what I'm going to have you do, I want you to take out your phone right now. I know it's not very spiritual, but take out your phone. Dig in your purse while you listen to me talk. And um, I want to read a verse from Jeremiah because I think this is on God's heart in this season. If you're not happy with the direction, like she said, that your community is going in, get involved. We are powerful. We, can't, we can pray, but we can also act. The two need to go hand in hand. And I wanted to read from Jeremiah 29, 7. It said, this is when um, the people of Israel have been taken out of Israel. And it says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city where I have carried you into exile 
Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And another translation said, its welfare will determine your welfare. And I know we are not in exile in the mid-cities. We have chosen, most of us, to move here. But I think there's a principle that is the same, and that is that this city's welfare determines our welfare. And I believe that our city should look different because we are in it. And that the people of God are meant to affect the city that we live in in a positive way. We are meant to, like Brad mentioned earlier, disciple nations. How can we disciple nations if we can't disciple our own city? And part of that looks like helping people get back on their feet, helping meet the needs in a tangible way, having a discipleship program that's called a mentoring program. They're in the schools preaching the gospels. That is how we can see our city transformed. Some people will come through these doors and meet Jesus here at the altars, but others, we need to go. Jesus called us to be fishers of men. What do fishers do? They go to the lake. And that's where they fish. The fish don't just hop up into their house and into the, you know. And so it's great that we have a lake here, but we, we need to go out and go fishing. So what I want you to do, you got your phone ready, hopefully. I want you to go to Six Stones website, which is six, the number six, right? Sixstones.org. And we want you to sign up to volunteer. And what, what happens is you don't sign up for a particular event, but you have to create a volunteer profile in order to be able to be in the schools, in order to be able to do the CPR or the backpack giveaway or the event for hope. All of those things start with you becoming an official volunteer. And can they select to be an uncommon church one? Yes, there's a... Yeah, we can absolutely do that. Okay, so later on, there's going to be a drop-down that says Uncommon Church. But the, there was a little paper on your on your chair when you came in. That QR code will direct you directly to the page where you sign up to volunteer. And so as we're wrapping up today, that's your first step, is sign up, create a volunteer profile, and then they will email you volunteer opportunities. And as a church family, we want to listen to the Holy Spirit that says, hey, you can go fix a house. You can go help with the backpack giveaway. Whatever that is, I believe each and every one of us have one day or a couple of hours that we can donate of our time this year. Maybe you're even called to be a mentor, but it all starts with just right now filling out that volunteer profile so that we can impact our city for good and for God. God wants to increase your influence so that you can tangibly see that this city is better because of you. The anointing of God is on you to preach the good news and to help the poor. So good. Why don't you hop up on your feet? Can we pray for six zones? Uh, uh, Jennifer and Teresa, why don't you guys step down here? I just want to pray for you. First of all, ladies, thank you so much for being here today. What an honor that you would come yeah, and share the, your story. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for Six Stones. We bless the work of all of the staff and volunteers, all of the board of directors, all the men and women that are making amazing decisions to to love on our city well, to love on the poor, to clothe and to feed and to to mentor, to disciple. God, we just pray you'd bless them, especially uh, for Jennifer and Teresa that have come to share their hearts today and they just pour themselves into Six Stones and into our city. Bless them. Bless their hearts, their minds, their marriages, their finances their kids, their grandkids. Bless upon bless upon bless these ladies for all that they do to be leaders in our city, to be leaders in the kingdom of God. We just pray your your specific blessing on them right now in Jesus' name. Yes, God, and as a church family, we pray that you would increase the influence of six stones. And Father, we pray for provision from heaven to meet every need. I'm sure the need is endless and that they're still needing to stand on faith for how they're gonna meet the needs of the people that walk through those doors. But God, we just ask, 
as a church family before your throne right now, that there would never be lack, that every idea that is God-breathed, that they would have the provision to make it happen, Lord God. Father, I pray for abundant finance, for new partners. I thank you for the ones that have been faithful for years, but I pray that more businesses and more companies and more churches would come and stand alongside and fund the work that you are doing, and we thank you for it. We thank you for them. We thank you that there's the six stones in our community. We're so grateful for all that hard work that has been going on for years and that we get to link arms and work together as brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give a big round of applause and tell them how grateful we are for these girls? Golly, thank you ladies so much. So, Listen, I read a verse earlier that you might not have heard. It was uh, it's from the book of John. Um, I think it was John 3.16. I want to read it again because I want you to just, just, in fact, just close your eyes and just picture the Lord, um, picture his great love for you, picture his great love for our city, picture his great love for the poor and the, the, those that, that need help uh, getting out of poverty and getting out of addiction and listen to the verse through, try, try to give it fresh perspective. God loved the world. God loved Euless and Hearst and Bedford and Northridge and Hills, Irving and Arlington and Grapevine. God loved our world so much that he gave his only son. He gave Jesus to us. He gave Jesus to us. Who are we to receive that beautiful gift of a relationship with Jesus and then not share it with our community? Whoever believes in Jesus, they would not perish. They would not be a goat but they would receive the gift of eternal life. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you're not right with God, there's sin in your life that separated you from God. If, if, if God forbid you got hit by a bus or something today and you were to die today, you're like, I don't know that I would receive eternal life. Today is your day to repent of your sin, to ask God to forgive you, and he will wash you and cleanse you of all sin. He'll adopt you into his family. You won't be alone in this world because you'll have a Father in heaven that loves you and draws near to you. God loved the world so much, he gave Jesus. But it's our responsibility to receive Jesus, to ask him to forgive us of our sins. I wanna lead you in a prayer, and it might be the first time you've ever prayed a prayer like this. It might be the first time in a long time because you've let your heart grow cold and you've kind of walked away from God. If you believe this in your heart, once you pray it out loud, even those of you that are at home watching online, if you believe this in your heart, pray it out loud. Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I repent. I surrender my life to you. I receive you in my life to be the savior of my soul and a loving father in my heart. Thank you for eternal life. And that starts now. Lord, help me to be compassionate with the poor. Use me to reach this generation. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you shoot your hand up real high so I know uh, who, who just made that prayer, who made that commitment? Is there anybody here this morning? I see your hand. Is there anybody else? I see your hand. Is there anybody else? I see your hand. Good. Yay, God. Yay, God. Yay, God. Yeah, how fun. 
Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.